0: Welcome to the MVP podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. So we got a great show today and we're going to kick it off with some college basketball action. We have some, finally some college basketball back in our lives after we missed March Madness last year. So hopefully we can get our fix with some of these early season matchups and tournaments that's going on. So I thought that to kick off the show today, I would highlight some of the tournaments that are going on and some of the key matchups and some of the good games to look out for for the rest of the week. So we'll kick it off with the Maui Invitational. It is not in Maui this year, unfortunately. It is in Asheville this year, and the teams in the Maui this year are Alabama, Davidson, Indiana, Providence, Texas, Stanford, North Carolina, and UNLV. So this tournament already kicked off a couple days ago. I'm recording this on Tuesday. So in round one, Texas beat Davidson 78-76. to Texas needed a game-winning layup to beat Davidson. It was a really tight game. Davidson gave them a great run for their money. So Texas moves on, and Davidson moves over to the loser's bracket. I'll kind of go over that in a little bit. UNC beat UNLV 78 51. UNLV kind of jumped on them early, but UNC rallied and ended up just smacking them, gave them a nice beatdown. After UNLV got a like a double digit lead to start that game, and then IU gave a beatdown to Providence. They just owned them from start to finish. They won 79 to 58, and then to cap off the first round, Stanford beat Alabama 82 to 64 pretty much Zaire Williams carried them and got the win for them. So then that moves on to round two where the, the quarterfinal matchups were, are the semi. Yeah. Yeah. Semi-final matchup. So the semifinal matchups were Texas versus IU and North Carolina versus Stanford. So I'm recording this after those games were played, but before the last two games were played. So Texas beat IU 66, 44, Hoosiers just really didn't look good. Pretty disappointing to watch them. You, um, Texas played some great defense, and that should give UNC some troubles in their next game. IU just couldn't really shoot, couldn't really rebound early, and got down early and just couldn't respond. Um, and then North Carolina beat Stanford 67-63. It was a pretty tight victory for them. They edged it out. I thought that they were going to give them a little bit better of a game than that, but Stanford showed up and gave a nice fight versus UNC, but UNC edged them out. So, UNC will face Texas in the Maui championship game. And then later on tonight, we've got Davidson versus Providence. So, Davidson was pretty good against Texas. So, I'm looking, I'm thinking they're going to win tonight. And then we've got UNLV versus Alabama. Um, I don't know. Alabama didn't look that good against Stanford and UNLV played decent against UNC, so I'm thinking UNLV here, but we'll see. So those are the two games in the loser's bracket. Those games aren't as important as the other two that have already been played today, which I thought was interesting that they played the two important games in the middle of the day and the two shit games at night. Doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. So for the semis, we've got Texas and UNC to play for the championship, and then Stanford will play IU for third and fourth. So my predictions is I think UNC is going to beat Texas. Even though Texas played great defense today, I think UNC is a better team and they're going to get the win for the Maui Championship. And I think IU is going to beat Stanford. I think they're going to bounce back. They played like crap today versus Texas. There's no way that they play that badly two days in a row. And then for the loser's bracket... It'll be the winner of the Davidson-Providence game will play the winner of the UNLV-Alabama game for 5th and 6th place, and then the losers will play each other for 7th and 8th. So my prediction is I think Davidson is going to beat Providence and UNLV is going to beat Alabama, and then Davidson is going to beat UNLV for 5th, and Providence will beat Alabama for 7th, getting their first win of the tournament, and Bama goes winless here so that's kind of what's going on in the Maui some good games going on Texas is ranked number 17 and North Carolina is 14 and that's the championship game so that'll be a pretty good matchup between top 20 teams as well as IU playing Stanford two teams that are like right on the fringe of that top 25 area like that top 30 35 teams I think um so that, those will be two pretty good matchups, and then those other losers bracket games might be interesting if you like those teams. So let's move on to um, the one that will be on on Tuesday night that will be the primetime games, and that is the Champions Classic. So in the Champions Classic, it's just two games. The winners don't play each other and the losers don't play each other. It's just two games that they're calling the Champions Classic. would be pretty sick, though, if the winners would play each other and the losers would play each other because this – pretty good group of teams so we got number six team in the country duke number eight team in the country michigan state the number seven team in the country kansas and the number 20 team in the country kentucky so as you can probably tell from that list it would be really sick if the winners would play each other and then the losers would play each other so the matchups are duke gets michigan state and they somehow swung it so that they get to play at cameron indoor for a home game so this should be a pretty good game. The number 16 versus the number 18, two top teams in the country going head to head. I think that Duke is going to be a winner here. I just think that being at home, even though there's no fans, like just getting to be on campus all day and wake up in your own bed and just shoot in the gym that you practice in, like it's just a different feel. And um, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State takes them down. But my pick is going to be Duke. But I think Michigan State, is a tough team and could easily pull this upset, especially with none of the crazies in there. And then next up, we got Kansas and Kentucky. Um, that'll be at banker's life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. So this should be another solid game between blue buds. Um, they're both coming in at 500 at one and one, and they're both looking for a big win to add to their resume. So my, like my initial feeling is Kansas, uh, especially after Kentucky just lost to Richmond. But like, I do feel like, this will be Kansas's like toughest test, and this will probably be Kentucky's toughest test to date. Well, I mean, obviously to date, but I mean, this could turn out to be two teams that are really good come the end of the season, come March Madness. Hopefully, um, so I don't know. I think I just had this feeling like Kentucky's gonna beat them, but if I was picking games here, i been taking Kentucky or I'm taking Kansas. I really just hate Kentucky as an IU fan, so. I think Kansas is going to get the win here in 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 Indy, but it should be another really good game. Both these games should be a lot of fun for the Champions Classic. So then to cap off the nice games this weekend is the Wednesday night games, which is going to be the Jimmy V Classic. This this the Jimmy V Classic has number 1 Gonzaga, number 2 Baylor, number 5 Illinois and number 11 West Virginia. And the matchups are Gonzaga versus West Virginia at Bankers Life Fieldhouse on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And Baylor versus Illinois in Bankers Life Fieldhouse on Wednesday at 10 p.m. So that's a back-to-back three great games in Indy this week. Um, So, yeah, so we'll kick it off with the Gonzaga versus West Virginia game. So Gonzaga is the number one team in the country. I think that this is going to be their big non-conference win of the season. They need all of them that they can get. Um, They're good, and there's a reason they're ranked number one. I don't think that they're going to get knocked off this early. They're going to come ready to play. They know that they need every win in non-conference because their conference games don't help them a ton. So getting this win will kick off their non-conference resume with a nice boost. The next game is Baylor versus Illinois. So this is two top fives going head to head and it should be another great matchup. So I just think Baylor gets the win here. I just don't trust U of I yet. I know that they've got a lot of good players and they've got a really good team. Obviously they're top five in the country for a reason. But Baylor was just so good last year. And I think they returned a lot of their guys and they've got good coaching and they're just they were just a really strong team last year. So I think Baylor's gonna get the win here, but look out for U of I like If you, if I get to win, this is going to be a staple for them and will be a sign of things to come for this season. So those are, those are the good matchups that I saw for this upcoming weekend and week. Um, Lots of great tournament games going on and a lot of great matchups in these tournaments. Um, So those are some games to look out for. And maybe if you want to put some money on the line, there's a lot of fun matchups and great games to root for. So now we're going to move on to NFL Week 12 Review, where we've got winners and losers of the week before we move on to Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5. So we'll kick it off with the losers of the week in the NFL. first off on our losers of the week for week 12 is going to be the Broncos versus the Saints the Saints got the win in this one 31 to three to improve to nine and two while Denver falls to four and seven so I mean without any active quarterbacks was it really fair for Denver to play this week I mean there wasn't much that they could do offensively and they had a practice squad receiver at quarterback so I mean they ran a lot of wildcats and he got a few completions in the second half, but uh, Saints D just kind of countered after a couple drives and figured out what they were doing. And they were pretty much ready to counter any Wildcat that was going to get thrown their way. And then on top of that, Taysom Hill was pretty solid, and Latavius Murray had a breakout game. So, I mean, they just got the production they needed, and the Broncos just didn't have enough without like a real quarterback to be able to pass to get back into the game. So, Broncos are my losers this week. They should be able to get a quarterback back next week. I think all three of them cleared COVID protocols, so they should be back to normal, but it just was not fair this week without any active quarterbacks on the roster. For fantasy this week, I've decided to mix it up a little bit. I'm tired of doing a sit and bringing that negative energy here, so I'm going to do a stardom and a breakout player. So my stardom for the Saints is going to be Taysom Hill. He was 9 of 16 passing for 78 yards and a touchdown, as well as 10 rushes for 44 yards and two touchdowns. And my breakout player of the week for the Saints is going to be Latavius Murray. He had 19 carries for 124 yards, two touchdowns, and one catch for two yards. And for the Broncos, like, I know I just said I didn't want to bring the negative energy, but they really didn't have anybody that was worth starting and they didn't have anybody that broke out. I think their top fantasy performer had like eight points. And I mean, guys like Jerry Judy and guys you would normally start had like one or two. So there's not really anybody to pick there for breakout performances or stardom for Denver. My next loser of the week is the Jets versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins got the win in this one, 20-3, to improve to 7-4, while the Jets fall to 0-11. So the Jets struck first in this one, but after that, it was pretty much all Dolphins from there. They scored 20 unanswered points and rolled to that 20-3 to division win. So Miami gets another big win that keeps them in the playoff hunt. And the Jets are losers this week because they continue to fall to 0-11. I guess that's not really a bad thing for them as they're looking to probably replace their quarterback and get the number one pick in the draft. So it looks like Trevor Lawrence better start looking for an apartment in the city because it's looking like he's going to the Jets pretty soon. So, I mean, I guess being a loser of the week is a good thing for the Jets. So keep up the good work, Jets. For fantasy this week, my stardom for Miami is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was 24 of 39 for 257 yards, two touchdowns, as well as three rushes for 10 yards. My breakout player for Miami this week is Devontae Parker. He had eight catches for 119 yards. My stardom this week for the Jets is Frank Gore. He had 18 carries for 74 yards and three catches for 12 yards. And my breakout player for the Jets is Brashad Perriman. He had four catches for 79 yards. My next loser of the week is the Chicago Bears. They lost to the Packers 41-25 to on Sunday Night Football. The Packers improved to 8-3 while the Bears fall to 5-6. So Mitch got the start this week for the Bears, but it really didn't help them much as the Packers jumped on them from the beginning and steamrolled them for an easy Sunday Night Football victory. So the Bears are losers this week because they just absolutely got pounded. Like it just wasn't really that close. Um, I do think, though, that Mitch was better than Foles, slightly better than Foles. I think that his mobility could help create some extra plays for their receivers and create extra plays in the pass game. And behind that offensive line that hasn't been that great, I feel like Mitch can do things a little bit more and get out – just create some some extra excitement and some extra place for them because Foles has just become not mobile, and it's just not been working. So, I don't know. Either option they've got at quarterback isn't great right now, so the Bears are not in a good position when it comes to that, and they're pretty much sliding into a place where it's looking like they're not going to really have a spot to get into the playoffs, even as a wild card. So, They're losers this week. They just continue to slide. I think they need to stick to Mitch, but I doubt that's going to happen. I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Bears. Their defense is so good that they just need the offense to pick it up some, and they could do some damage, but they need to figure out what's happening under center, whether it's Mitch or Foles or I don't know. So we'll see what happens with the Bears, but I think Mitch was better, so I think that they should ride with Mitch and see if that changes things because – Clearly, when they started playing foals, it wasn't that much better. So for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Packers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. He was 21 of 29 for 211 yards, four touchdowns, as well as two rushes for 12 yards. My breakout performer of the week for the Packers is Robert Tanya. He had five catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. My stardom this week for the Bears is Allen Robinson. He had 8 catches for 74 yards and 2 touchdowns. And my breakout player for the Bears is David Montgomery. He had 11 carries for 103 yards and 5 catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. My next loser of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. They lost to the Patriots 20-17. to The Pats improved to 5-6 and, and the Cardinals dropped to 6-5. This was a much tighter game than I was expecting, and I'm sure a lot of people were expecting. And Murray didn't really have a great game, which led to their demise. The Pats' defense was really resilient here, and their offense was as well, and a few key stops really won the game. So the Cardinals tied it at 17 late, and the Pats got pretty lucky. They were kind of driving down the field, and Cam decided to run it on third and 13, and he picked up the first down and got kind of hit pretty high by Isaiah Simmons and they got flagged, which kind of moved them into a range that set them up for a better field goal attempt, which ended up winning them the game on a game-winning field goal. So a lot of things fell their way for the Pats this week. They had like a goal line stop on fourth down right before the end of the first half, and just a few things that fell their way this week, but they stepped up and made the big plays when they needed to and got the win. So the Cardinals are losers this week because this Pats team just really hasn't been consistent all year. They've been struggling the past few weeks, and the Cardinals really needed to pick up their game to finish out the season. That NFC West is tough with the Rams lurking and the Seahawks pull, trying to pull away to win that division, and then the rest of the wild card teams in that mix. So the Cardinals really needed to win this week, and they, got, and they lost. And, I mean, they would have beat the Pats this week. The Pats would have been in a free fall and would have been really grasping at straws there. But instead pull off a nice victory over the Cardinals and get some some life back into them. So that's why the Cardinals are my losers this week. For fantasy, for the Pats, my stardom is going to be James White. He had five carries for 18 yards and two touchdowns. My breakout is going to be Jacoby Myers. He had five catches for 52 yards. My stardom for the Cardinals is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. He had five catches for 55 yards. And my breakout is going to be Kenyon Drake. He had 22 carries for 78 yards, 2 touchdowns, and 3 catches for 15 yards. My next loser of the week is the Las Vegas Raiders. They got pummeled by the Falcons 43-6. The Falcons improved to 4-7 while the Raiders fall to 6-5. and so this was a pretty embarrassing loss for the Raiders this week. I mean, the Falcons just jumped on them right from the get-go and then just kind of steamrolled them for this huge victory. Young-hye-ku, young Hae Young Young Koo had a huge day and had a lot had put up more points than the entire Raiders team. Uh, he had what? He was 5 for 5 on field goals and 4 for 4 on extra points, so he had 15 19 points. So, he outscored the whole Raiders team by themselves. So, big day for the Falcons. Nice to see that their offense has some firepower. People have been looking for that all season. Tough, tough for the Raiders. They're losers this week because that's a tough loss. I mean, they're a playoff team and they get embarrassed by the Falcons. The Falcons have been garbage all year. So, We'll see if the Raiders can bounce back. They're going to need to bounce back quickly because this AFC is getting tight and tough. I mean, Titans just overtook the Colts, so the Colts are now in a wild-card position. You got the Browns in a wild-card position. You got the Ravens lurking. You've got Miami right there. You've got Buffalo. There's just too many teams right now for you to be dropping games to teams that you shouldn't be losing to. So Raiders are losers this week. It should hurt. They gotta they gotta bounce back quickly and figure out what they did wrong. For fantasy this week, my stardom for the Falcons is going to be their defense. They had six points against five sacks, four fumble recoveries, an interception, and a touchdown. And my breakout player for them is going to be Young Hue Ku. He was four for four from 39 and in one for one from 50 plus and four for four on extra points. My stardom this week for the Raiders is going to be Nelson Aguilar. He had five catches for 54 yards, and my breakout for them will be Hunter Renfro. He had seven catches for 73 yards. Coming in next on my loser of the week is the Detroit Lions. They lost to the Texans on Thanksgiving 41-25. to Both teams are now sitting at 4-7. and seven. So this was a big Thanksgiving day from Deshaun Watson, and he really led the Texans to a win in this one. He was amazing. He's getting it done with the air, through the air, and with his legs. We didn't find out till later that some of the guys on the team were juicing. Watson wasn't. Uh, it was just the guys that couldn't catch a ball all season, and then somehow were catching everything on Thanksgiving. So that was pretty interesting. Um <laughs> It only made sense. I mean, I'm sure that they got those slips in their lockers for the PED test right after those big games. So, Will Fuller, great great season there with your last game there. Uh, Nice job there, buddy. It was Thanksgiving. Couldn't wait a few more weeks. Come on. But the Lions are losers this week because they just got smacked down at home on Thanksgiving. I mean, I guess it's just tradition as usual, but... Lions can't just keep getting embarrassed on Thanksgiving, right? Like eventually they gotta they gotta win at some point. So the usual tradition this year: Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving football. It's atrocious. Um, let's move on to fantasy. My stardom this week for Houston is Deshaun Watson. He was seventeen of twenty five for three hundred and eighteen yards, four touchdowns, and eight rushes for twenty four yards. And my breakout was Will Fuller. He had six catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns. And then capped off his day with a steroid suspension that will end his season. My stardom this week for Detroit is going to be Matthew Stafford. He was 28 for 42 for 295 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. My breakout player this week for the Lions was Adrian Peterson. He had 15 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. My last loser of the week is the other atrocious Thanksgiving Day game, and that is the Cowboys versus Washington. Washington got the win in this one, 41-16, to to improve to 4-7, while Dallas falls to 3-8. So back and forth first half in this one led to Washington just absolutely spanking them in the second half. They were led by Antonio Gibson's 115 yards and three touchdowns as they rolled over the Cowboys in a much-needed Thanksgiving Day win. So they're now like tied with the Giants for first place in the NFC East at four and seven. I think they lose the tiebreakers there and they push Dallas back. And I think Philly is half a game back now with that tie. Um, So the Cowboys are losers this week just for getting embarrassed at home on Thanksgiving, just like the Lions. It's turning into a tradition that those two teams get beat on Thanksgiving. And then we get a third game that's actually pretty good. And they also lost out on a shot to get the division lead back and kind of get back in the mix there. Um, So Cowboys are just kind of in free fall and doesn't look like they're going to get any help anytime soon. So I expect this to just kind of keep continuing until they can figure out how to do something differently. So for fantasy this week, my stardom for Washington is Terry McLaurin. He had seven catches for 92 yards. And my breakout this week is Antonio Gibson. He had 20 carries for 115 yards three touchdowns, and five catches for 21 yards. My stardom this week for Dallas is Andy Dalton. He was 25-35 with 215 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and three rushes for 17 yards. And my breakout player for Dallas is Amari Cooper. He had six catches for 112 yards and a touchdown. We're going to kick off the winners of the week with the Bills versus the Chargers. So the the Bills beat the Chargers in this one 27 to 17 to improve to 8-3 while the Chargers fall to 3-8. So the Bills took an early lead in this one and built on it until late in the third. The Chargers led where the Chargers led a great comeback. They're down 24-6. And then by late in the fourth quarter, they were down 24 to 17. So that's when Josh Allen threw an interception that set the Chargers up to tie the game at 24. But Herbert threw an interception right back, and that pretty much sealed the game for the Bills. They got one more field goal, and then the Chargers didn't have enough time to do anything with it. So the Bills are winners this week for getting a nice win over the Chargers. I think that the Chargers are better than their 3-8 and eight record shows. Herbert's been playing good football. They've got a lot of good weapons on offense. So even though it was a tight game, against a team that's well below 500. Like, I think the Chargers are a pretty good team, even though they're not winning a lot of games. Um, Once they get a off offseason with Herbert again and they come back next year with a few more pieces, I think that they're ready to compete. But right now, they're just not finishing these games and they're getting down early. So... <laughs> It's going to happen, especially when you got a rookie quarterback, but the Bills got a nice win, and they stay atop the AFC East, but they need to continue to win because the Dolphins are right on their tail, so they need to watch out. But for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Bills is going to be Josh Allen. He was 18 of 24 for 157 yards, a touchdown, an interception, as well as nine rushes for 32 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. And my breakout player is Gabriel Davis. He had three catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. One of those, his touchdown was a pass from Cole Beasley. It was like Josh Allen threw a swing, swing pass, and then Beasley threw it to Gabriel for the touchdown. Um, <clears throat> My stardom for the Chargers is going to be Justin Herbert. He was 31 of 52 for 316 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And my breakout player for the Chargers is Austin Eckler. He had 14 carries for 44 yards and 11 catches for 85 yards. My next winner of the week is the New York Giants. They got the win over the Bengals in this one, 19-17, to improve to 4-7. While the Bengals fall to two eight and one, so the Giants kicked off this game with a touchdown on their first drive. But the Bengals responded with a hundred and three yard kick return touchdown. They traded scores, but the Giants led at halftime, sixteen to ten. The Bengals made a late push uh, with the Giants up nineteen to ten, and got in the end zone to make it nineteen to seventeen. And then they got one more chance late to come down and win the game. But Brandon Allen, who was playing quarterback this week, was strip sacked and that sealed the game for the Giants. So the Giants are winners this week because they now take the lead in the NFC East. So I think they own the tiebreakers over Washington, like I said earlier. So that's big for the Giants. If they can continue to edge out a couple more wins like this, that could get them into the playoffs where they would host a home playoff game, which would be big. I don't think that they'll win, but just the fact that they could get into the playoffs when they're sitting at 4-7 and seven is pretty crazy. So the winners this week are the Giants because they're putting in themselves in a position to get to the playoffs in an improbable season where they just weren't. They don't, That whole division is so bad. like, It's wild that one of those teams is going to make the playoffs, but could be the giants here. So they're winners. Nice. Nice to be in that hunt. So for fantasy, my stardom for the giants this week is Evan Ingram. He had six catches for 129 yards. And my breakout player is Wayne Gallman. He had 24 carries for 94 yards, a touchdown and three catches for negative three yards. My stardom this week for the Bengals is going to be their defense they only gave up 19 points, had a fumble recovery, and then the kicker turn touchdown. My breakout player for the Bengals this week is T. Higgins. He had five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. My next winner of the week is the Tennessee Titans. They beat the Colts in this one, 45 to 26, to improve eight and three, while the Colts fall to seven and four. So a first quarter shootout saw the Titans pull ahead to end the first half up thirty five to fourteen. The Colts defense stepped up in the second half, and it looked like the Colts could make a little comeback there, and they cut it to thirty eight to twenty six. But then that was squashed by AJ Brown returning an onside kick for a touchdown to push their lead to forty five to twenty six, which led, which they held on to for the win. So Titans are winners this week for pretty much handling everything that the Colts threw at them. Um, They secured the top spot in the AFC South once again, so that's a big pickup for them. They're sitting in a good spot for the playoff picture. As a Colts fan, it was a heartbreaking and tough loss. I mean, we needed that one just as much as they did, and they just came out and they spanked us and gave us everything that they had. So Titans played a great game and just wasn't a really great showing from Phillip Rivers of the Colts, to be honest. like The stats are a little bit better for Rivers than I thought that he played, but Colts Colts offense needs to pick it up and figure out how to get on the board early. I mean, we we're missing DeForest Buckner, which really was showing. So, um, the COVID guys that the Colts had out really affected them, and you could really tell. So, hopefully, we get some of those, all those guys back next week, and the Colts are back to full strength. So, for fantasy, my stardom this week for Tennessee is Derrick Henry. He had 27 carries for 178 yards, three touchdowns, and two catches for seven yards. And my breakout was A.J. Brown. He had four catches for 98 yards, a touchdown, and a kick return touchdown. My stardom for the Colts was Phillip Rivers. He was 24 for 42 for 295 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And my breakout this week for the Colts is T.Y. Hilton. He had four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. My next winner of the week is the Seahawks. They beat the Eagles on Monday night football 23 to 17. They Seattle improves to 8-3 while Philly falls to 3-7-1. Seattle pretty much handled the Eagles from start to finish on in this game. It was kind of a sloppy game, but I mean they they just kind of handled them from start to finish. The real story here though is the late touchdown and two point conversion for the Eagles that fucked over everybody that took Seattle minus six and a half. So what happened was the Eagles were driving late and just kind of a garbage time drive and they got into the end zone. And then with some metrics thing, they went for two, I guess if they get an onside kick or something, they can come down and win the game that way. um, Or at least have to attempt a two point conversion on the final drive to tie the game. So gives them a chance to win some way. So they did it and then they lose. By six and people took Seattle six and a half so Seattle's winners um, for getting a solid win this week's a nice start to finish win even since they've been struggling it's nice to get back on track uh, but they better be getting a percentage of that betting money because that defense deserves it they saved the house some big payouts there so Seattle's winners this weekend back on track keeping that division lead there's a lot of guys right on their tail, so they need to keep pace atop. At for fantasy this week, the starters, my stardom for Seattle is Russell Wilson. He was 22 for 31 with 230 yards, a touchdown, and six rushes for 12 yards. My breakout is DK Metcalf. He had 10 catches for 177 yards. My stardom this week for the Eagles is Dallas Goddard. He had seven catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. And my breakout is Richard Rogers. He had three catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. My next winner of the week is the Cleveland Browns. They got the win over the Jaguars 27 to 25 to improve to 8 and 3 while the Jags fall to 1 and 10. So this one was a lot closer than Browns fans were probably hoping for. So they took a slight 17 to 13 lead at the half, but then the Jaguars gained the lead in the third quarter and went up 19 to 17. The Browns retook the lead late and pushed their lead to 27 to 19 and then It was kind of looking like they were going to escape the Jags and pull out this win. But a late push by Glennon and the Jags got them in the end zone to make it 27-25, but then they failed the two-point conversion attempt, which pretty much led to the Browns sealing this victory. So the Browns are winners this week for continuing to win. It was pretty ugly, but I mean, with a run game like that, that's all you really need in this league is just to, to... edge out some wins, running the ball, and playing some good defense. And I thought that, that they did that pretty well. So Browns stay on track. They stay ahead of the Ravens, and they are looking like they're going to be a playoff team this week, this year. So it'll be weird to see the Browns in the playoffs. It's been a while. So, for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Browns is Nick Chubb. He had 19 carries for 144 yards, a touchdown, and three catches for 32 yards. And my breakout is Jarvis Landry. He had eight catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. My stardom for Jacksonville is James Robinson. He had 22 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown and five catches for 31 yards. And my breakout is Colin Johnson. He had four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. My next winner of the week is the Minnesota Vikings. They got the win over the Panthers in this one, 28-27, to, to improve to 5-6, and six, while the Panthers fall to 4-8. and eight. So Teddy was back in Minnesota, hoping to get some revenge on his old team. In the second quarter, we had something pretty amazing happen. Jeremy Chin, the safety for the Panthers, scored touchdowns on back-to-back snaps off of fumbles. So the first one, it got punched out and it kind of like fell into his arms and then he took it back to the house. And then the second one, he like kind of stripped Dalvin Cook and took it to the house. And so that happened on back-to-back snaps and it gave them a 21-10 to lead. So this came, continued to be pretty tight into the fourth where the Vikings scored to cut the lead to 24-21. to So the Panthers responded to that score with a field goal, and it was looking like Teddy was about to get his revenge. But Kirk had some other plans down 27-21. to So he led the Vikings on a quick one-minute drive that let them regain the lead at 28-27, to but they left some time on the clock. So Teddy got one more chance down by one to at least get into field goal range with a little bit under a minute left. So they got into deep range for Sly, but he shanked it wide left, and the Vikings pulled off a great comeback victory. So the Vikings are winning winners this week for getting a much-needed victory over a conference foe, and it kind of gets them back in a place where, like to me, they're like on the edge of the playoff hunt. Like I don't think they're in the playoff hunt, but they're like win a couple more games in a row, and you might be in the playoff hunt. Um, If they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to need a lot of things to fall their way, but the way they're playing right now is looking good. So Vikings are my winners this week. My stardom for the Vikings is going to be Justin Jefferson. He had seven catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. And My breakout is going to be Kirk Cousins. He was 34 of 45 for 307 yards, three touchdowns, as well as three rushes for 19 yards and a fumble. My stardom this week. For the Panthers is Robbie Anderson. He had four catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. And my breakout is the Panthers' defense. They gave up 28 points, had two sacks, three fumble recoveries, but scored two touchdowns off those Jeremy Chin scores, and that's why they were really good at fantasy this week. My next winner of the week is the 49ers. They got the win over the Rams, 23-20, to improve to 5-6, and six, while the Rams fall to 7-4. and four. So a rough start for Goff led to the Niners going up 14 to 3 into the third quarter. But in the third, the Rams got a scoop and score that cut the lead to 17 to 13, and then a few possessions later, a nice Cam Akers run set them up to take the lead at or yeah, to take the lead at 20 to 17. The Niners responded though with a field goal to tie and then got the ball back and drove down for another field goal as time expired to get the win. So the Niners are winners this week for getting back in the win column against a really good Rams team and a division foe. So props to them for winning without a lot of their key pieces. I mean, they're out Kelsey. They're out Garoppolo. They're out Bosa. Like, man, if any other team had all those injuries, they wouldn't be able to compete with a team like the Rams. So props to the Niners this week. For fantasy, my stardom is going to be the Niners defense. They gave up 14 points, had two sacks, two fumble recoveries, two picks, and a touchdown. My breakout is Debo Samuel. He was a beast. He had 11 catches for 133 yards. My stardom this week for the Rams is Robert Woods. He had seven catches for 80 yards and one rush for eight yards. And my breakout is Cam Akers. He had nine carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. My last game and my last winner of the week will leave the Steelers game for the next episode is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. They got the win over the Bucs in this one, 27-24, to improve to 10-1, and while the Bucks fall to 7-5. So the Chiefs took an early lead behind Tyreek Hill's 200-yard first half, which led them to a 20-7 first half lead. And then another second-half touchdown from Hill. Ah. <laughs> had everyone thinking this one was over. I mean, he had three touchdowns and over 200 yards by that time. But the Bucks made a nice push, scoring 14 unanswered points. But it just really wasn't enough as the Chiefs held on for a nice victory in this one. So the Chiefs are winners this week because they get the win over a good Bucks team and stay right on the heels of the Steelers. So they're in a position where if the Steelers slip up just a slightly losing one or two games, they're going to be right there to take that bye in the playoffs from them. So Chiefs are playing great football. They're getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers, and they're winning games against good teams. So if they get that bye, they're going to be super dangerous. So as much as it's – I know a lot of people don't like the Steelers, it's going to be hard to knock off the Chiefs and have anybody else come out of the AFC if they hold on and get that bye. So props to the Chiefs for getting a nice win this week and positioning themselves to be ready to take that bye right out from underneath the Steelers if they slip up. For fantasy this week, my stardom is going to be Patrick Mahomes. He was 37-49 for 462 yards, three touchdowns, and four rushes for 28 yards. And my breakout is Tyreek Hill. He had 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. My stardom this week for the Bucks. Is Mike Evans. He had three catches for 50 yards and two touchdowns. And my breakout is Ronald Jones. He had nine carries for 66 yards and one catch for 37 yards and a touchdown. Okay, on this episode of TV Time, we are going to be talking about The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5. So if you haven't seen Season 2, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian, I recommend you go watch it immediately and then come back. But if you have not watched the episode yet, we'll hopefully be back on Thursday or Friday. Still trying to figure out the second show for this week. Been weird with all my travel from Thanksgiving. But... We'll be back with another episode this week. So come back for the second episode this week, Thursday or Friday. But if you have not seen Season 2, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian, please leave now because this was an amazing episode and I don't want to spoil anything for you because it was probably one of my favorite episodes of the series so far. It was awesome. Okay, that should give you enough time to leave. If you are don't want to be spoiled, So let's jump right into it because I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about that's not just the plot of the show. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that came out of this episode that's really intriguing. So this episode kicks off in dramatic fashion. We get kind of like a samurai type feeling scene as Ahsoka Tano with her white lightsabers and everything that we were hoping for cuts down some soldiers in the woods en route to this like village that has this big giant gate. Um, where she gives the leaders there an ultimatum to give her what she wants, or else she's gonna come kill every all them. Um, so after that, we then see Mando and Baby Yoda land on the planet and start their quest to look for Ahsoka, and they decide to go to the village that we had just seen her um, give an ultimatum to the people. So they let they let they let him in to the, through the gates, and he starts kind of walking through the town. And he notices that the people just aren't very, like, pleasant. They're not talking to him. They're afraid to talk to him. And then he sees some people, like, in the streets, like, in these, like, electric, like, things where they were just strung up in the streets. Um, so then he is tasked by the leader of this, like, village thing to go kill the jedi in the woods so obviously mando didn't really give her a response but was like okay i'll go find this jedi because that was who he was going to look for anyways and he sets out to find ahsoka so as he walked through the woods and is getting closer to ahsoka where they said she was we get to see her owl um i guess there's some i don't really know all the lore i'm still getting through the the clone wars animated series and Star, I'm going to watch Star Wars Rebels, but I guess she has some sort of owl that is like her like force essence and it follows her everywhere. So it's cool that we got to see that in live action before we saw Ahsoka. So that was kind of a like little like nudge nudge. She's almost there kind of thing if you knew that. Um, so she attacks Mando and Mando finally fins off all the attacks and tells her that Bo-Katan sent him And that's when she says that she hopes that it's about Baby Yoda. So then she uses her Force powers to connect with Baby Yoda and finds out some things from his past. And that's when we find out that his name is Grogu. So he's no longer Baby Yoda. R.I.P. Baby Yoda. Hello, Grogu. Um, And that he was trained in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and he was taken and hidden during Order 66 when the clones executed all the Jedi and Palpatine and the Empire rose to power. So he's hidden his powers out of fear, and that's what Ahsoka tells him, that he's been in hiding and has just kind of like hidden his force powers because he doesn't want anybody to really know and and kill him. Um, So the next day, Ahsoka tests Grogu to see if she can train him, and he only really responds to Mando, and that really troubles Ahsoka, And she kind of subtly hints that like any Jedi with fear and attachment like Grogu has is um, susceptible to going to the dark side, which is kind of a hint hint Anakin here. She's Anakin's Padawan, so she was there when he turned or well, like around when he turned so she knows what it's like. Um, So that's when Ahsoka and Mando make a deal to help get the information she needs and free the townspeople. Um, If she agrees to train Grogu. Um, So then they make their way to the village and make their assault on the village. Ahsoka takes out the guards in the tower and like slices their little bell in half as she cuts through all the guys. Um, And she makes her way to the village leader um, where as she goes in for the attack, the leader, I'm not not good with names. So I'm just going to call her a village leader. I don't really care to look up her name. Um, she kind of retreats into her little palace thing and then Mando comes in and he starts like helping free the people that were captive. And he tells all the people to get inside their homes. Um, and that's when Ahsoka slashes some guards and then hops over the gates and into this like garden where the leader is. Um, and that's when Mando faces off against their like military leader um and he shoots him in like sort of a western style duel where the guy like reaches for his gun and mando pulls shoots from the hip and shoots him um so we got that western vibe of the mandalorian that we've been getting along with some of the samurai vibes throughout the scene as they um cut through all these um evil soldiers in the, this village so um that's when we kind of see the fight where ahsoka fights the leader who has a baskar spear that can deflect lightsabers so um that fight kind of led to what i just mentioned about the western style shootout with the military guy after that fight was about over um that's when mando kind of killed him um so at the end of the fight we see ahsoka is looking for grand admiral thrawn and that's the information she was looking for we didn't hear her answer what Information she was looking for, but we know that that's what Ahsoka is going to be after. So maybe that will pick up in her spinoff series or maybe somewhere down the line in this Mandalorian series. So Ahsoka gifts Mando the baskar spear to add to his baskar collection um, before telling Mando that she cannot train Grogu. So he's kind of pissed that she kind of reneged on her deal, but she tells him to go to the Jedi Palace on Tython. And put him on the seeing stone where he can choose his path. And he'll call out to some other Jedi's that will come train him. So Grogu and Mando are off to Tython to go to the Jedi Temple. And see if they can find any other Jedi's that will train Grogu. So that was an awesome episode. I was really super pumped. Um, Hopefully we get to a place where Grogu is training. I don't know. We'll see. I thought he was going to train with with um ahsoka but i'm excited i was excited to see ahsoka Uh, she was she looked amazing let's just jump into the takeaways so that was my takeaways sick episode ahsoka looked amazing she looked exactly like they did in the clone wars animated animated show exactly how you would want she moved just like ahsoka i thought rosario dawson did a great job so they did a great job lightsabers were amazing. The samurai feel with Ahsoka was amazing, and uh, I just loved it. Um, so here's the thing: before I move on to a couple key questions to take away, I just want—I just have a thought that I kind of been theorizing throughout here. So I think that Mando, with all these meeting a bunch of characters throughout the universe that have all been part of the Clone Wars series or Star Wars Rebels, he's going to be the glue that glues this cinematic this little star wars cinema tv universe together i mean He's meeting all these people, so you get all these intros, and then they're going to go off and tell their stories. And then somehow they're all going to tie back together to fight one big bad, and Mando's going to be the reluctant guy that's like, oh, I know these guys, these are my friends. Like, okay, they help me, I'll help them. And then he's going to be part of this, some sort of rebellion that's going to take down this big bad. I'm assuming it's going to be Thrawn, But I'm not really sure yet. But that's just kind of my feel after these few episodes. They haven't even touched on Boba again. So there's so many main characters that have ties to all the Star Wars lore. And I think that he's going to be the glue that kind of sticks all these pieces together for this big giant story that will take place over multiple shows. So that's just kind of my thoughts after this episode too. So great episode. But let's move on to the two pressing questions that I have following this episode and I have some semi answers some some like predictions or prospects for to answer these questions. So the first question is um who is going to train Grogu and the second question is who helped Grogu escape the Jedi Temple. So let's start with the first question and I think the clear answer here is Luke. So at this point Luke would be post-destruction of the Empire and he'd be trying to re-establish the Jedi Order after he's defeated Palpatine and Vader is dead. So he'd most likely be looking for any sort of Force being that would be interested in reaching out to him. So I'm assuming that if he feels through the Force reaching out to him from the Jedi Temple, he would come running in a second and he would take in Grogu and Grogu can go be a part of his Jedi temple that he's establishing where he eventually would take in Ben Solo and those other padawans or force sensitive beings that he had recruited to come to the his training with Ben Solo. So that's the probably the clearest answer in my opinion, but there's a few other possibilities and some of them are from the animated series and some of them are some other ideas that I have that I've heard on online and on uh, other people talk about. So the other possibility is from, is a character from the star Wars animated rebels show, which is Ezra Bridger. I don't know a lot about him, but I do know that he is one of the few Jedi that is potentially still alive in the universe right now. I still need to watch rebels, but I believe at the end of rebels, he like, goes off into like a hyper loop or something where he's just like flies into deep space with Thrawn. So I guess if Thrawn is still alive and Ahsoka is looking for him, then maybe Ezra is still alive and he would come train Grogu. So that's a possibility there as something that's likely, especially with all the tie-ins that they've had to some of these other animated shows, especially with Rebels, with bo why not bring Ezra Bridger in to come train Grogu? So now I've got a couple that are probably very unlikely but would be pretty cool. So, my dark horse idea is Cal Kestis. So, Cal Kestis is the main character in the Jedi Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order video game. So, in that game, Cal Kestis escapes from Order 66. And then during the game, you go on some quests to find some force sensitive things around the universe that helps you get the Jedi Holocron, which has the list of all of the force sensitive beings in the universe. And then at the end of the game, he destroys it and says that it should be up to the force to get, bring these people together, blah, blah, blah. Like he shouldn't, nobody should have the power to go out and find all of these force sensitive beings. But if Cal was, if, that becomes canonized, then Cal would be looking for four sensitive beings and four sensitive objects, maybe at this time. So maybe, <coughs> sorry, maybe Cal's out there post Empire and he's in hiding and he's ready for somebody to call out to him to come reestablish the Jedi Order. And he could come train Grogu. They have similar backstories where they both escaped order 66 and they both had to hide their powers and they both had to make friends along the way that have helped them reestablish their Jedi identities. So maybe Mando could lead him to Cal and the two of them could hit it off. And they have similar, um, experiences where Cal could be a great, um, master for a young Padawan Grogu. So my last one is more of my like long wish rather than um, a possible outcome for what could happen. I did hear one guy throw this out there just as kind of like a half joke, but that is Gunji. So Gunji is a Jedi from the uh, Clone Wars series, and he's a cute little Wookiee Jedi. Um, I don't know if he's alive. But it's rumored that he could have survived um, the, the battle when he was with Yoda. Um, so I don't know. But he's a dope Wookiee. And he's got this sick wooden lightsaber. And it's very rare to be a Wookiee Jedi. Um, so I loved him in Clone Wars. But it's very unlikely. But it's another option for somebody that's rumored to be alive. And I think having a Wookiee Jedi would be really sick to see. Um, okay so now let's move on to the last and final question which is who saved grogu so my first idea as to who saved grogu is yoda or yaddle so yoda we all know yoda same species as grogu but yaddle is the female version of yoda that was on the jedi council she's also the same species as grogu and yoda So I feel like Yoda or Yaddle could have sensed something was coming and wanted to preserve their species, and maybe they sent Grogu away um, before he could be killed in the war. So I'm not really sure. Uh, It doesn't seem very likely that Yoda, but maybe to save their species, Yoda and Yaddle somehow stuffed away Grogu to keep him safe and preserve their species. So my next pick is a lore pick. This is something that people have talked about on YouTube and online, and that is Jocasta Nu. So I don't know much about Jocasta Nu, but she's a Jedi Master and the Jedi Library Librarian. So she is the main protector of the Jedi Holocron, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the list of all of the known Force-sensitive beings in the universe. So she kept that list from the dark side, as she battled Vader and then eventually died at the hands of some of the Inquisitors, which is like some like rogue Jedi that turned bad. Um, and so that led to her death, which she was protecting all the possible young Jedi across the galaxy. So they think that maybe she snuck Grogu out and that was part of her plan to help protect the Jedi Order after Order 66. So my next idea, which is probably... A long shot, but not as long of a shot as my last idea, which is Palpatine. My idea is that Palpatine knew that he was going to need to be cloned, and he was planning this whole thing from day one, and he knew that he was going to need to develop a new body, so he took Grogu due to his high midichlorian counts and hid him to be used later to clone himself. So, it's not really much more to that theory that I have other than maybe Palpatine was just planning the whole time and snuck out a couple Jedi to um, get those midi for his clones. And then my last idea, which is a pretty far-out idea, but may have been confirmed or semi-possible due to what George Lucas has said, and that is Mace Windu. So Mace Windu may have survived his fall after getting his arm cut off by Anakin and getting shocked by Palpatine. So maybe after his fall... He saved Grogu and then hit him and erased his memory so that he can go into hiding, kind of like Obi-Wan. Probably a far out idea, but another possibility, some guy that we all know that would be some nice fan service to bring him back. So that'll kind of wrap up my episode 5 talk. I think there's a lot more questions than answers from this episode. We thought we were going to get a lot of answers. I mean, we did get a lot of answers. We found out Grogu. and We found out he was escaped Order 66. But we don't get any closer to him getting trained. We still have more questions about who saved him. And I don't know. We got a few more episodes. This should be an exciting end to this season of The Mandalorian. So that'll wrap up the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys have been enjoying the Mandalorian. We had some great football this weekend, and hopefully we get a good game between the Ravens and the Steelers on Wednesday night. So we'll be back on Thursday or Friday with another episode where we'll do some NFL Week 12 preview. We'll probably do a little bit more college basketball talk, and then we'll do another episode of TV Time. So enjoy today, guys. Peace. We'll